Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is a professional carer, an artist and writer from the UK. Her name is Krista Rice. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, um, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. So you're, you're finally on the show. Uh, to give people listening some context who may not be aware, Krista has been a friend and follower of mine for maybe a year and a half now. Maybe I longer. think so. Something like that, yeah. Um, before we get into you, I'm just curious, because you were very eager to get on the show, why? <laughs> why? Why did you want to be on the show? I'm interested. Um, to be fair, to start with, it did actually start out like as a joke, because I thought, yeah, oh. no, there is no way that I'm ever going to do anything like that. Fair but enough. Um, no, but then it was just like, you know what, actually, it could be fun, so why not? Okay, so just like to have a good conversation and stuff. and All right, wicked, wicked, wicked. Um, so there's normally, you know, everyone knows that I, I do a lot of research on my guests and I've got like uh, a certain way that I go about this. And there's a lot of different directions that we can go today and I'm going to try and cover them all. Uh, so I'm going to start today with your artwork. How did you get into art and who are your sources of inspiration? Oh, um, so obviously I've done art at school, didn't take it as a GCSE because I was told not to. Um, Whoa, uh, what do you mean? Well, I was told not to because I had friends in older years and they had taken art and they were like, don't bother. There is absolutely no point. So I didn't bother, but I've yeah. always enjoyed drawing. Um, I think it's it's something that like, you can like really focus on and but it's always that like better steps or ways to like improve yourself mm. as well yeah i get that i get that there's a lot of um things that i like in life too that that have a similar concept like uh skateboarding i think i've said this before like i used to do skateboarding years ago and i always like the concept of how it taught you a lot about life as far as like you know, ne- you know simple stuff like never giving up but also things like how trying a different technique or slightly tweaking something can have like really really different results mm. and I think with something like art it's interesting because obviously everyone has like their favored way of drawing or painting or whatever and then it, sometimes it's it's weird to kind of come out the comfort zone and do something different that maybe you're not used to but then when you do it you maybe you discover a, a newfound talent you didn't know about so yeah but I, I gotta push you a little bit on this like did, did your friends not say it because I remember GCSE art at my school I didn't take it but I remember seeing people do it and complain about it and it sounded awful like the, the key thing that I remember is two things one there was a kid that I knew who was an amazing artist. Like, if he's not drawing for anime now, it's a crime. Because he was amazing then. I can only imagine how good he is now. Mm. Uh, So he used to say that they would try to force him to do stuff that he wouldn't normally do. Like, he wasn't interested in doing that kind of artwork. But obviously, that was kind of part of the, I suppose, the degree, which, not degree, sorry, the the, the lesson, which kind of, in a way, I kind of understood. It's, It's difficult to do a subject like that where, while it is purely creative and 
it, it's it, but it's not the same as like something like maths like maths you've got like a clear set of questions or whatever that you need to study for or equations or whatever and you complete them and you get a score and then that's it right mm. with art the thing that i never understood is like it's all subjective so when you're yes. judging someone else's work um to what extent can you really say that something is like crap or good like do you know what i mean like yes and i, I get like maybe the the way they structured it would be okay so we want you to do cubism for example and then let's say you fucked it up and you just i don't know it didn't look like cubism maybe then you could judge them on that like to the extent to which they've mimicked the artist's work but then i don't know to me that just kind of sounds pointless like okay you learn different ways of drawing and painting or whatever but at the same time you probably never use them again ever you know yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway uh, oh and also that there's apparently like a, a three hour exam that's just yep. painting or drawing what but i don't know did, what, did your friends say anything about like why it sucks so much and why you should avoid it um because they asked me obviously what sort of art that i do like doing and i obviously i do more portraits than anything okay. they aren't you know they they aren't sort of like you know Jackson Pollock here, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like really really great, but um, but they did say <coughs> about how you you get given a subject to draw. You're wrong. They are very good. <laughs> I digress, but they're very good, know. and I'll I'll make sure to include a link to your stuff down below. She's being very modest. She's a very very good artist. So yeah. She's all you've 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 made drawings of me, which um thank you. And uh just it blew my mind. Um there was one, I think the last one that you ever did of me, uh it, it actually stunned me. I was like, wow. Um let's talk a little bit about that, because you do it on it's 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 you do it on like a drawing app or a painting app or something, right? Like it's yeah, yeah. On my how, iPad. Like how long does that take? What's the process like for that? Um, I think it depends on what I'm doing and how focused I am because um, there are some times that you can start a piece and you've got your outline and everything else mm. and then you start like maybe putting your colours in and you're like okay that's not looking too bad and then it will be one side of the face looks slightly different to the other and you're like mm. like I know obviously faces aren't exactly symmetrical mm. but then it's a bit like yeah, I'm just going to stop with this before I start getting annoyed with it because it's not going the way I want it to. And then sometimes you end up, you stop it completely and then you don't go back to it. But then there are other times that you are sort of focused and you're like, actually, I am really enjoying this and I really want to get this done. That to me, feels exactly the same as songwriting. Like I can totally relate on that. It's there's some songs I've yeah I just like now nah, this is shit and I don't ever bother finishing it. And there's other times <laughs> where it's like you do it in five minutes and boom. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you listen to music when you're painting, right? Or yes. Just any in particular specific music. Um, I think it depends because I listen to a whole like range and variety of music. Um, so if I stick like my music on shuffle for instance and <laughs> I, could, I, I could literally be listening to a song and I'm like right okay actually like with this song comes like it, it's weird it's like a a vision of a a form of art okay what do you mean 
in the way of, I don't even know how to explain it because I suppose it seems a bit weird. Um, it's like you listen to the music and you can even sit there, you know, with your eyes closed. And then when listening to it, you like envision it. The, the, you're talking about the art, like the... Yeah, you envision okay. the art while listening to the music. Oh, okay. Yeah, because this is kind of the next question I wanted to ask connecting to this. Because I remember when I was a kid, uh, my mum was was an artist and um, there were pieces of art hanging around all around the bloody uh, flat. <laughs> and um, I loved them. I loved it. I, I was inspired. She, she used to take me to all these art galleries and stuff. It I think it explains a lot about why I'm now obsessed with art and music and creative things. I think there was, I owe a lot to my mum. So thanks mum. <laughs> if you ever see this. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she listens to the show. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do on the off chance, thank you. Love you. Um, she said that there were certain pieces of art like and I remember there were pieces of art that she made that were like kind of disturbing and I was like oh you know what, what what's what's the message here or, or you know what, what are you trying to convey with this and while we were talking about it she'd say that sometimes she'd be listening to certain stuff and she should be like okay I was listening to like Nirvana and Metallica when I made this and that's why this has kind of got more of like a, a darker vibe to it or whatever like so I guess my question to you is uh, to what extent do you feel that the music you listen to either changes the moods you convey in your artwork or like to what extent does it kind of actually influence the artwork? Um, I think I would say, I again, I think it also depends on the mood that I'm in when I listen to the music. Um, so say like, uh, I don't know, my last piece, for instance, my, my Papa Emeritus Fall from Ghost. Um, I I listened to, I was listening to Respite on the Spitalfields from Impera. And I, I just had, had like this sort of, you know, vision. And, and then I was like, do you know what? Actually, I suppose I could make it album inspired. So I just literally carried on, like, so I started the album again. You know, going through every song. And then it was going through every song felt like it added more. Okay. All right. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, no, I, I get it. I get it. In the same way that, like, an album often is is like a collection of um it's an idea isn't it it's a concept mm -hmm. you listen to an app like okay some albums are more obvious with that some lesser so uh and some are just a collection of songs thrown together yeah um, like for instance i'm a massive fan of uh dream theater the band mm. so for those who don't know it's a progressive metal band heavily inspired by like rush pink floyd a bunch of other metal bands anyway point is they love they love their concept albums they do and uh there's a yes you know, they, they, they love they love them concept albums. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why i'm doing that accent anyway um they did this one album this is how i discovered them they did this album called scenes from a memory and the whole concept was that like there was a story woven into the whole album about um i think it was like oh, what was it? It, was, it was like someone 
living past lives and going into someone's dreams in order to kind of like discover the past sort of thing. It was a fascinating, like I'm mm. really, for anyone who, you know, e even if you're just not really into that music, just check it out because it's interesting. Um, but yeah, and, and they've kind of, they did it in a, such a way that you can appreciate the songs on their own, but you can also appreciate them as part of a wider narrative. And yeah. just connecting it back to what we were talking about. Like, I suppose in a way, when you're sitting down creating art and you're listening to all those different songs and as you say they they hit different points don't they so like maybe one mm -hmm. song is is particularly <laughs> violent and so those like shades of red or whatever on, <laughs> on the artwork and then 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 you get more a happier place and maybe it's shades of blue i don't know i'm simplifying this i'm sure it's a lot more <laughs> complex than that i don't know yeah, what I'm talking about. About. yeah okay i don't know what i'm talking <laughs> about i'm just is, is it like that i don't know talk to me um I suppose, so say for instance, again, using my, my last piece as an example, um, like I had, again, it was the idea of like Papa Emeritus for like just being Papa. And Papa. again, it was Respite on the Spitalfields really gave me like the inspiration for it. And like once I'd finished like the main part of it it then come back to um like it was when doing the background and honestly that is like my favorite bit about that because again listening to different songs gave me like different things to add so i'm pretty sure it was hunter's moon gave me the idea to put the big glowing moon behind him and then um the the fog around um i'm pretty sure was inspired by um darkness from the heart of my love um i'm pretty the rain was spillways um yeah it was literally just adding more as it like you know again it's just like listening to the music feeling it and taking them like feelings and just on a page awesome <laughs> no 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 i mean it i mean it <laughs> it is it's interesting i've always found it fascinating like people's creative processes because it's always so different mm. you know, everyone's got a different approach and a different way of seeing things visualizing things so yeah it's intriguing um what are you trying to achieve with this art? Because I've always thought, and I know people listening to this, our friends will definitely agree with me on this, that, you know, you should, I don't know, maybe do commission art, sell this in some way, try to try to monetize it. Like, do you, are you thinking to do that? Do you want to do that? Do you have any goals for this? Or is it just for fun? Like, what's, what's the deal? Literally just for fun. Just because I enjoy drawing. And I'll put it out there. And if someone likes it, someone likes it. Fair enough. So you couldn't be swayed into maybe doing commissions. I think you're really good. I think it's, I don't know. I think like you could really do something special with that. Like, I think it depends on what the commissions would be. Okay. All right. So it's like a maybe, it's like a, ooh, maybe if the price was right, <laughs> the project no, was right. Mate, yeah. If the project was right, yeah, not okay. the price. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. I think, I think it's always more important to be more, concerned with the projects as opposed to the the money you know yeah because you have to be happy with what you're putting out 
let's flip to your writing. So how did you get into writing and what inspires your work? Um, again, it's very sort of music driven. Okay. Interesting. Um, like you can, again, is that whole listening to a piece of music and then you sort of, I don't know. I feel the way that I process it is via what it makes me feel, what that piece of music makes me feel. Cause I feel like I'm a very like sort of emotional person. <coughs> oh my God. My dog's just like, just going mad. <laughs> your Why? Because your dog, your dog disagrees. My, my dog agrees. My dog agrees. agrees there's probably someone entering the building. <laughs> oh my God. Right there with me, like two seconds. See, I, lo- I love distractions like this. <laughs> Go and have a look at the door. There's no one there. Shush. Please. Please. <laughs> it, would just, it would just be like a squirrel or some shit. Or just like uh, other... more than likely, if not, she's just heard a car pull up. That's it. <laughs> Honestly, my dog is an absolute nightmare. I love it. But yeah, so going back to that, I'm quite an emotional person when it comes to it. I'm very like emotional driven in like the way that things make me feel, whether it be like, I don't know, again, listening to a piece of music, how do I feel? when I listen to this piece of music. Um, but with, with the feelings come, again, like different ideas. And I also think it, it depends on, I don't know, because I'm a person that does get obsessed with things quite easily. I'm like a very, like, you know, attachable, like, like a limpet. <laughs> but... Um, I don't know. It's just sometimes it's like putting into words how I suppose how you feel or what what something makes you feel. I think it's odd because I don't really talk about this sort of stuff. So to vocalize it is a little bit. Mm, I, I, I don't know how to put it into words because again, it's very emotional driven. So it's very feeling driven. Mm, no, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. I think sometimes there aren't words to explain it. It's like, it's, it's just, as you say, a feeling, an emotion. Yeah. You convey it. Be, it you... Sometimes it'd be like it is because it do. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> indeedly doodly. Okay, Ned Flanders, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and same question as before, you know, what, what's kind of like your process and approach to writing? Like, do you have like a particular way, method? Talk to us about that. Um... Again, it's that whole, I can start something and like never finish because I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll start, I'll start something and it'll be like, okay, so I'll start off maybe with like, oh, this will be like a short story. Mm. And then it's like, no, okay, we can, we can push a little bit further with this. And then I'll get like a little bit further. And then it's like, yeah, no, I don't know how to like segue into like this next bit or I'll have like a beginning and an end but not middle Mm. like I know how the beginning starts I know what I want in the end as the outcome but I don't know how to get there Uh, yeah 
I've heard some people say that it's it's good to work your way backwards. Mm. But I always wonder, like, it sounds straightforward, but I, yeah, because I've tried writing like stories before. I'm I'm not good at it. I can do poetry. I can do songwriting, but I suck at writing books. I don't, and I'm always amazed at how people do that. Um, I've read your short stories, and they're really good. Obviously, we've in some instances read them out even on online, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, same here. <laughs> dog is like. You did what? <laughs> how, yeah, how my dog's like, excuse me. <laughs> um, any, any goals with the writing? Or is it the same as your artwork? Same? Again, it's just for fun. Usually it's very um, self-indulgent. Um, as it should be. But I don't... I don't know. The, the amount of things that I've, I've started and not published, sometimes it only literally goes to my best friend. Oh, cool. And like she'll read for them. Um, and sometimes she gives me ideas as well. And she's like, I really like this, but how about if you do it this way instead? Mm. Or how about you can segue it by using X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Um, but yeah, no, most of the time it is like, I'll send it to her and I'll be like, read this, what do you think? And she'll be like, oh, that that's, you know, that that's really good. Or that's really cute. I'm not too sure on that one because um, there are there are like different themes that I do I do like to touch up on upon some of them I wouldn't say mm, okay maybe some of them are a little bit taboo but <laughs> not not PG <laughs> no definitely not PG <laughs> that's for sure I was gonna say some of them are <laughs> like I read I remember when you were like, Oh, read some of mine on, on, on the live stream and I looked at some of them and I was just like, I can't read this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. Some of them are I was like I I'll I'll just get crucified for this. Yes. Literally. <laughs> it like and it was really good, don't get me wrong, but it's just like I can't read this. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, okay. No, but we'll it's good. Pretend it's, that we never saw that one. <laughs> no, but it's it's good stuff. I mean, I think I think the thing that interests me about you is is because I get what I'm getting is that you do your your artwork and your writing is almost like a form of therapy for you. It's it's you, it's part of you. It's like fun and and that's cool. That's cool as fuck. If that's if that's what it is and that's all it is, it's cool. You know, that doesn't it doesn't have not everything you do in life has to be something you turn into. You know, something you monetize. Like mm. there are things I'm interested in. Like poetry is a good example for me. Like I have no zero ambitions to be like a professional poet mm. you know i just i just write it sometimes and it's like eh, you know or like i don't know playing games like i'd never want to be like a professional like for example professional gaming like uh, esports level and all that stuff like to me i, I don't get it like i i kind of mm. do and i don't like i remember I, I actually met someone who i worked with when i was younger who did these competitions like and it's pretty cool he, like this was back in the cod four days <laughs> og days Xbox 360, where my where 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 my posse at? <laughs> OG, but no. In all seriousness, like he he, I remember him telling me that he got to fly to like LA and you know compete competitively and do all this cool mm. stuff. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I was intrigued. I was like, well, do, do you still? I know it sounds like a dumb question, but I was like, do you still enjoy playing the game? And he was like, honestly, like it's a difficult question to answer because it's kind of like mm. yes and no. Like yes, in the sense that he enjoys the competitive nature in it, but no, in the sense that like 
just playing for fun is not really something he could do like the the fun Mm. is kind of sucked out of it and I think that's always the danger when you try to monetize things like I've had to kind of rein things back a little bit myself like um obviously you know my frustrations with everything I do online and stuff and while my goal is to be like a professional actor that's what I want to do that's my goal in life um other things like content creation and the podcast and stuff like I I I want them to succeed and when they don't I get like a bit sad about it but then I've had a lot of people yourself included who've just kind of been like well why don't you focus more on on like what you love about this and and like make that your focus rather than just always worrying about the numbers and stuff and it's difficult for me specifically because I've and maybe this comes from my business background like I just uh, I'm obsessed with numbers I find it interesting Mm -hmm. you know you learn a lot about that sort of stuff Uh, for example the majority of people that listen to the show are female hello ladies (laughs) I can't speak properly yeah and they're between to english yeah (laughs) can't compute um between the ages of about 18 to 40 you know that stuff Mm. like that is interesting to me because it's like oh that's interesting so it appeals to this demographic specifically it's more what what about this is more appealing to women than it would be to men what is this that's more appealing to people between these ages you know stuff like that fascinates me but then obviously inevitably you're like comparing yourself to others sometimes or you're like oh you know i wish this was doing better i wish more people were hearing it that's always my bigger thing is i Mm. wish that more people would hear the show because i think that the conversations and all right fair enough this is just my opinion but i always come away from this show every time feeling like i've gained something i've learned something you know i've enjoyed a conversation i've had with Mm. someone you know like i that's how i feel yeah and people that listen to the show have have communicated that too so i know it's not just me um Mm. but to get back to the point like it's it's difficult sometimes to you know to to not focus on that number stuff and and to you know lose sight of the fact that like you know why did i want to do a podcast initially because i just wanted to i just wanted to which brings me to my next point i actually wanted to initially do a wrestling podcast but um and i have done since i appeared on someone's show a few episodes shout out to kai guy and um against the map wrestling podcast and i quickly realized that my concern about it ultimately led to my ability to not do it which is that there's so much wrestling out there there's so much it's just impossible to keep up with all of it so what do you have to do you have to choose and a lot of people do that but if you're doing a wrestling podcast in the sea of other wrestling podcasts that are out there, uh, it's very difficult to differentiate yourself. And a mm. lot of people do the whole watching wrestling on a regular basis, blah, blah, blah. Uh, point is, I couldn't do that on a regular basis. So I was like, okay, well, at least I can say I've ticked that box and I, I tried. Um, even now, I'm not really keeping up with wrestling. I kind of jump in and out, dip in and yeah. out. You're a wrestling fan. I am indeed. So am I. And um, we've spoken about it often. And it's quite funny because no one else in our friend group is a wrestling <laughs> fan. So sometimes they have no fucking idea what we're talking about. But we could talk for hours about this shit. Uh, <laughs> so for anyone listening now, they're like, oh, no, not wrestling again. God, let's go talk about wrestling. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm going to talk about wrestling, guys. Um, <laughs> how did you get into wrestling? 
Um, it was actually my partner. Oh. Like, properly. Cool. So, um, when I was younger, I watched it sort of like in spits and spurts. Um, How my mum and dad, I, I'd say six. Oh, wow. Okay, really young. Okay. Yeah, so I, I watched it sort of in spits and spurts. It wasn't always um, consistent. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, like, my mum my and dad used to buy, like, the games and stuff on, like, PS2. And, um, and obviously, enjoyed that. And, yeah, it wasn't until I got with Shane that I, I got, like, properly into it. Mm. Is he still a big wrestling fan? Um, not so much anymore. Um, again, it's that whole like there's so much going on, and yeah. like we watch like maybe like a couple of matches. Obviously, usually we end up getting like we watch WrestleMania, um, yeah, 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 and yeah. like Royal Rumble and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think it just I think it just depends. I mean, if there is like a good looking match, like whether we've followed the storyline or not. If there is a good-looking match, we're like, yeah, we're going to watch that. See, I think this is an important point as well, because the, and there's a lot of conversations out there about modern wrestling and, and how it compares to, say, the Attitude Era or the Golden Era or whatever the case may be, mm. um, different eras in professional wrestling. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the same as you. WrestleMania season, so for those who don't know, um, the WWE, the biggest wrestling company in the world, basically operates what they call WrestleMania season between January to April time. So that covers a span of four months. Uh, the first pay-per-view is the Royal Rumble, which is a really awesome concept um, where basically 30 men and 30 women get into a ring and throw each other over the top rope. And it's quite fun. And you get a lot of people entering those matches that maybe you haven't seen in many years. You get people debuting, you get... All sorts of crazy antics, and it's always different. And it's just a breath of fresh air amongst the other wrestling stuff that they do. Uh, the reason it's called WrestleMania season is because it's all building up to WrestleMania, the biggest show in, in professional wrestling, kind of considered the Super Bowl of professional wrestling. And um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's cool, isn't it? Like Normally the Royal Rumble sets up like a new superstar or someone that's deserved to be at the top and she finally gets that opportunity. And there's, I don't know, I feel like, and maybe, I don't know if, how you, if you agree with me on this or not, but I feel like everything outside of WrestleMania season just doesn't compare in terms of excitement. And, you know, yeah. like, it's, 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 it's like you said, like, I'm always, right, right, right now, I'm kind of glancing at what's going on in WWE, AEW, whatever. And if there's a particular match, that looks really good. I'll, I'll go out of my way to see it. I'll, I'll keep up to, I'm always up to date. I know what's going on. I just won't yeah. necessarily go and watch the weekly television. Mm. Um, but this kind of brings me back to like the initial point about how wrestling has changed. Like back in the day, you know, Raw and SmackDown for WWE or TNA or whatever, that was like must see television. And you wanted to watch it every single week. And yeah, these days, I got to be honest, like there is, don't get me wrong, there is good television and there's good moments, but I feel like it's a lot of it's a slog. Like <laughs> Raw is like three hours long. And like when you've got a work, like work and a career and mm. responsibilities, I mean, for example, let's say you wanted to watch AEW and WWE in its entirety. Okay, just for argument's sake. So that's mm. three, three hours of Raw, 
two hours of SmackDown. So that's five hours, right? Mm-hmm. Then they got that 205 live show, which I think that's like an yep. hour, right? So that's six hours. <laughs> and then you've got NXT, which is two hours, right? So that's yeah. eight, was that eight hours. And then, uh, fuck me. So eight hours of television just for WWE. And yeah. then AEW, two hours of Dynamite. Then you've got, um, was it Rampage? That's three hours. Which, okay, fair enough. Three hours of main television to catch up with. That's not too bad. It's, you know. Uh, and th- but then there's like AEW Dark, AEW Dark Elevation, which I don't think there's any point watching those shows. They're YouTube shows. They do have like storylines and stuff occasionally, but mostly it's just a bunch of dark matches, filler matches, uh, so squash matches. So for those who don't know the lingo, basically um, squash matches are like, imagine... I come into a ring and I just beat a guy up for 30 seconds and pin him. That's it. And there's no story and it's not really interesting. I mean, it's inter- It's supposed to be like, oh, wow, look at this behemoth destroying this guy. But actually, it's just kind of disappointing. Mm, <laughs> so, yeah. um, and I think the biggest thing it made me realize is that without story, wrestling is really boring. Uh, yeah. You know, because like, a lot, and a lot of people will disagree with me on this and say, oh, well, Christian wrestling's changed. You, know, you haven't moved with the times. It's just a much more athletic uh, thing right now. But the thing is that, look, wrestling is entertainment. You know, if, if you're talking about like amateur wrestling and, you know, stuff like that, then fair enough. I agree. It's all about the sport. But professional wrestling at its core is about entertainment. That's what it's supposed to mm. be. And what's at the core of good entertainment is a good story. Yeah, You know, it's like, it's not enough to just be like, oh, these two people are going to have a fight. Isn't that great? It's like, no, I, wa- <laughs> I want to know why they want it. Like, why do you want to beat each other up? Like, so- sometimes it can be absurd. Like, WrestleMania 18, Edge and Booker T had a fight over wanting to have a shampoo commercial. Yep. <laughs> that was a fight. And you know what? It was a good fight. And it was a funny fucking angle. And then you have other things where, like, I don't know, people are like blood brothers and it turns bitter and ugly and it plays out over a long period of time or you know or sometimes you get shoot stuff like i don't know if you've been paying attention to what's going on in AEW right now but there's this whole ruckus where uh, cm punk was involved in a fight situation with kenny omega and the young bucks and it's, it's all just a bit crazy <laughs> and, and there's people going oh it's a work it's got to be a work and uh, but basically, they all got suspended, and it's looking like maybe none of them will return. But mm-hmm. if we know anything about wrestling, it's that these situations often get turned into money. It will be yeah. used in matches later down the line. If it doesn't, I think it's the biggest wasted opportunity of all time. It's definitely. But, yeah. Um, and to be fair, bringing it back to the general kind of idea of what we're talking about right now, it's... That's the sort of stuff that keeps wrestling, I feel, interesting and relevant these days. But those moments are few and far between. Mm. Where it used to be that most of wrestling was like that and you had a bit of silliness and a bit of comedy or whatever. Now it's like you've got a lot of comedy. You've got a lot of just just endless matches of nothing. Like, I don't know, like, maybe it's just me, but like, I feel like a lot of the wrestling that's out there is just like, just gymnastics routines like as jim Cornette Cornette puts it like it's just like you gotta make me care about this stuff like if every move just looks like it's you know i kicked i kicked you in the face but you got straight back up and now you're waiting for this move it's like this is yeah what is this even i don't i don't i don't understand how 
I can care about this. <laughs> oh no, no, I totally get it because like I think it also goes back to that whole thing of like so in like the seventies and eighties, even nineties, you you had like kayfabe. Right. Um and it it's that whole like I don't know, for instance, like as you were just explaining there, it, it's like if if you were to I don't know hit a hard move on Undertaker, but he just gets right back up and you're like dude that's that's gonna hurt yeah like you know or that looks like that is supposed to hurt quite a lot and you're getting up like it's literally nothing like it it doesn't feel as um i can't even think of a way to explain it no i get what you mean what because it's it's about suspending disbelief isn't it yeah. Like, we all know it's not real. And as wrestling fans, uh, you know, I'm sure you've had this over the years. People will always be like, don't you know it's fake? You, yeah. you, know, it's, you know it's not real, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, I know. I know. You just don't mm. get it. It's entertainment. It's not, it's not about if it's real or not. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't watch yeah. a movie and go, oh, it's not Captain America. He's real, isn't he? Like, no. <laughs> but, but it's, <laughs> no, but like, like when, you, when you really break it down, like, wrestling is live action theatre essentially yeah you know that's what I mean? literally what it is of just like people beating each other up and to be fair i don't think wrestling does itself any favors because wrestling off, often people in the industry will refer to it as a sport and it's like mm. it's, it's not really though is it it's it's so i think see okay and this is controversial when vince mcmahon started coining the phrase sports entertainment and calling it sports entertainment i think that's spot on because it's like jim Cornette says wrestling is dead like wrestling still exists in the sense like it's still there it's still pro wrestling but it's not wrestling like how it used to be because mm. part of the whole point of professional wrestling was that you didn't know it was a work yeah you know what i mean you, you, like you you weren't aware or if you were aware only a subsection of people were aware now mm. everyone's in on it it's like okay fine and things have to change don't get me wrong but there's little things you can do like for example and i think this has been done really well roman reigns right now you'll see he's pretty much always in character now, mm. which is really good. Like if he's a press conference, he'll just be his moody self. Do you know what I mean? And he kind of yeah. like blurred the lines a little bit when he was on the Logan Paul podcast. He kind of came out of character. He, he does come out of character every once in a while. But yeah. I, think, I think, I guess my point with this is that it's better, like ideally you want to be like an MJF where you're just in character all the time. You're just an arsehole at signings and stuff. And mm. see, that's great. Everyone... It's got, it, and here's the great thing about MJF, right? It's gotten to the point where people are not actually sure if he's an arsehole or not. <laughs> like, and and uh, that's brilliant because it's like, everyone's like, oh no, he's great, it's great. It's, it's, it's just like really, really good. Like you, commitment to kayfabe. And it's like, no, no, he might actually be a, an arsehole. <laughs> like, like that's actually him. Uh, but that's great. That's the magic of wrestling. That's what it should be. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I can't count how many times I've been like really amazed by what someone's done in the ring and how serious they are and intense they are. And then you see them do a fucking uh, interview afterwards and they're like, oh yeah, it's all great. I'm going to give to this charity and do this lovely work. And then I'm going to go to Disneyland at the weekend. And it's like, oh, come on. You're supposed to be a hill, God damn it. Yeah. It's like, uh, just like, can't you just, but then, but then here's the thing. Like (sighs) they are human beings Mm. and it's like, I remember listening to that old um, it's the infamous CM Punk shoot 
uh, interview that he did back in 2014. I've listened to it like a million times. It's just a work of art. Um, one of the things that he said in it, which I thought was very interesting, was how you know you're expected to be this character like all the time. And that must get very jarring and, and tiring mm. after a while. And bl- and you blurs the lines, doesn't it? Because you are not that character. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, imagine imagine if actors had to do that. Imagine if, like, Tom Hiddleston had to just be Loki all the time. It would drive, it'd drive him nuts. He wouldn't want to do yeah. that. It's fine to just rock up to Comic-Con once in a while and be like, I am Loki. You know, it's like, that's fine. That's cool. Yeah. But like, if you had to just play that character all the time, like I don't know, that shit drives me nuts. Like, mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely agree with that. Because then there's, because you've probably got that conflict of you know, obviously that you are playing the character, but there's that part of you that's like, but that's not me. <laughs> that's not me. That's not, that's not me. Oh my god. That's not me, man. <laughs> oh my god. What do, What do you think makes a good wrestling match? Um. Oh, definitely, as we've just discussed about, like, having a good storyline and, like, knowing, like, reasons why they're going to be fighting. Because sometimes you you can get behind either one or the other Mm. and you know who to root for. Um, I also do think it's the the interaction between the, the two superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, how how they like play off of each other, and um, also I I think like crowd participation as well. Yeah, yeah. That, do you know? Did you watch wrestling during the pandemic? Any chance? Um. Yeah. Like again, like little bits. Like I remember, just the biggest thing it taught me is just how important it is to have the crowd there. Yeah, because like without the crowd, like it's not that it sucked because it didn't. There was still some good stuff done, but it was very sometimes uh, things would fall on deaf ears and it'd be very kind of like what would have worked with a crowd of people doesn't work if there's no one there. Yeah. Um, And then other times it's just odd. Like you just hear like someone shouting at another guy and you can hear the echoes and like maybe there's Mm. like it, it was really odd. And then other things were just like, I don't know. It was just there were just instances that were there was such a shame that would have been so much better with a crowd. You know, like, like Brody yeah. Lee, Brody Lee in AEW. You know, it's, it's such a shame that that didn't. He wasn't able to do that in front of a crowd full of people. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know, and it, it applies to other things as well, like sports, football matches without a crowd, odd. <laughs> like yeah, Sunday Sunday League football is really odd. Um, yeah. Yeah, it really, it really does. I feel like sometimes the crowd makes the match. You know, like, for instance, and this has been said before millions of times, one of my favorite matches of all time is, is The Rock versus Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania 18. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, you know the match? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably the best crowd of any wrestling match ever. It's like mm-hmm. 92,000 people in Toronto, Canada. It's insane. And... If you just look at the what they do in the ring, like I, from a technical standpoint, I suppose it's they don't particularly have a great wrestling. It's like you know Hulk Hogan at fifty years old doing his, you know, but he doesn't need to be. That's the thing about wrestling that I love is that you don't have to be an acrobatic, 
mm. extraordinary. Like you can just kind of just do your thing. And like, I mean, the Hulk Hogan built a career off it. He did like for 30, 40 years, it was just a, tell me something, brother. And the pythons and the leg drop. And that was it. That was his thing. Yeah. He could wrestle. Legit. Mm-hmm. Like there's proof of him doing it in Japan and he was trained properly and everything. But it was made more sense and got him more money and just worked all around to do his, his shtick, as they say. Yeah. And, um, but the point is that that match was so heavily aided by the crowd. Like, mm. like if if the crowd had been flat that night, I mean, it's impossible. But if it had, it would have been a very different match. But people yeah. still talk to it about it to this day because it was it was electric. And there were other interesting things as well that like they had to call on the fly. Like for instance, the Rock in that match was supposed to be the good guy, like the baby face, as they call it, and Hulk Hogan was the mm. bad guy. But there was no way in hell that anyone was booing Hogan because it's his first time being in WWF WWE since I think 94 95 something like that this was 2002 so it's a long time and uh so they had to call it on the fly and basically the rock had to kind of work like a bad guy in that match yeah and uh, there was even talk of possibly like calling an audible on the spot and basically like maybe the rock losing but the rock won the match as planned and it yeah it worked out um and they had a little altercation with the nwo afterwards and it was like you know team rock and hogan against you know that and they they, they you know it, it was it was pro wrestling at its best and you still see elements of that today um but i feel like it's few and far between you get like a few matches here and there that like oh, wrestling and like everything else is just like ah hmm okay <laughs> okay <laughs> It's like I I, tr- I really I really try I try I try hard to like it, but I just I can't force myself to. Um, no, and that that's fair though. I, I I totally get like where you are coming from because, like you say, the moments are few and far between. But there are times where you get like a really good match, and you're mm. like, "This is wrestling." For me, it was okay. I'm not a big fan of Kenny Omega. I'll be honest. I think he's an amazing athlete, mm. but I just, I don't, <sighs> him and the Barks and, you know, Penta, El Cerro Miedo, whatever his fuck his name is, changes every week. Uh, <laughs> it does. Um, it's just, there's a, a lot of jumping around, moves not meaning anything. Like the only thing I've seen with Kenny Omega that's actually in line with wrestling is that I think to the best of my knowledge, no one has kicked out of his finisher in AEW or like or maybe only one person has mm. and that was always a thing in wrestling of like protect the finisher because it's like yeah know, the move you know um and look he, he he's he's a personality it's great but I don't know I just always found it difficult watching his matches they're very predictable they're very they go through the motions. It feels like there's an expression in wrestling of getting your shit in, like, you know, getting all, yeah. putting all your moves in the match. So it's like you do everything. And it's like, that's not really what wrestling should be at its best. Mm-hmm. At its best, it's like you, 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 you impress the audience, but you tell a story. But when he had his match with Brian Danielson for the first time, at, um, I think it was, this was 2021, Arthur Ashe Stadium, the AEW Grand Slam, I think it was called. Now, Brian Danielson is, like, the best example of everything that a wrestler should be. 
Yeah. Just, just all right. Like he gets it. Like he's great in the ring. Everything means something. He's great on the mic. He can tell a story. He, he, he can do it all. He's like, if there's like a Mount Rushmore of like today's wrestlers, he's on it. And he, and everywhere he goes, even in WWE where, you know, for, for a long time, a lot of wrestlers were strained and found it difficult to move within that. Like he still made the best of it and made it work for him. And, props to him but bringing it back to this match he got a good match out of kenny omega that was a genuinely good match but i feel like he had to kind of like or you know push that like he had to mm. lead that and be like no i'm in charge <laughs> i yeah. i'm the captain now like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it, and it works it works and yeah there's other people that do it like cm punk does it very well as to uh it's like the old guard. I worry that there's not many guys like that around and girls around like that anymore. Mm. It's always people of a certain generation. Like if you want to say, talk about the women, uh, Serena Deeb is a good example of a woman who gets it. Um, mm. But yeah, I feel like modern wrestlers these days, there's a few here and there. Um, Austin Theory, he's exciting. Bron Breaker, <laughs> Bron Breaker, I'm sorry, Rex Steiner. He's a Steiner, <laughs> come on. That's it. That's the biggest crock of shit yeah. I've ever seen. There, there's a few things that annoy me. Okay, so Rex Steiner. Um, for those who don't know, Steiner family is like the Scott Steiner. Um, oh, raised right. Oh, what's the other one? Raised? No, oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, this is bad. I'm a terrible fan. Scott Steiner's Scott Steiner's brother. Oh, um... ah. Bright? No, it's not bright. Oh, I can't remember his name. I can't remember. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please don't beat me up. Um, the Steiner Brothers. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Steiner Brothers. So, not Scott. The other one had a son, has a son, and he's in WWE. And it's like, imagine if, uh, let's say, you have like a a, a bunch of ducks, right? <laughs> this is such a bad analogy. What would be a better example? Um, it's, it's it's like you can't hide what you are. You can try. You can try and tell me like, oh, that's that's not Steiner. No, 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 no. But it's like, bro, he talks like Scott Steiner and he moves like both of the Steiner brothers in the ring. He's a Steiner. Call him a fucking Steiner. He's a Steiner. That's what he is. Yeah. And he's he's exciting. And he get he's he's wrestling. He gets you excited. That's a modern guy that gets it. I'm telling you, one day the main event of WrestleMania will be. <laughs> Bron break Rex Steiner, Bron Steiner, something Steiner versus Austin. <laughs> that right there is a fucking main event if ever I've heard one. Now you could do that now and that'd be a great match, but mm. they need time to build and become rivals or whatever. Also, I had to Google it just to make sure it is Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Rick. <laughs> no, he's gonna watch this, but yeah, um, yeah. So Bron Breaker moves like Rick talks like um scott he's just he, oh it's amazing to watch um but i just don't get how why wwe decided to to take his name from him i i really hope they give it back to him one day and work that into a storyline and AEW does it as well there's this guy um called preston vance or 10 he's in this group called the dark order and like okay so the guy wears a mask he's built like a brick shit house he's like six foot four if you've seen this guy without a mask, he's a very attractive man. Like, he looks like fucking Hercules or some shit. Mm. And you put a mask on him. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Don't take the mask off. Like, that's money. Like, and look, wrestling shouldn't be about looks. 
but it is <laughs> and so much of it is like how you look and how you talk and how you move mm. and, and charisma and you know that that's why like, yeah. the rock was so successful you know mm-hmm. he was smooth he was good looking he chiseled he had it all you know i just don't get that when when companies do that i mean Maybe it's just money waiting down the road, like you make a storyline out of taking the mask off or whatever. But, mm. but then there's other but then times... again, oh, they done they done the same thing with Kane. Yeah, no, they should should have kept the mask on. Yeah. Or well, no, well, I do you know actually. Sorry, Glenn. Some some really good stuff was done with unmasked Kane, but when yeah. they when they went back to mask Kane, it was like no, this is no, they should have just kept it. They should have just never unmasked him. I think. But it is what it is. But uh, they unmasked Rey Mysterio in WCW. And that was like, what was the point? Like, what mm. were you trying to... There's the worst... There's the shits. But I don't know. Um, wrestling is subjective. And some people refer to it as like a, a buffet, which I think is very apt. It's very on, on the nose. I mean, f- many people don't know that wrestling actually comes from the circus, uh, mm. traditionally, like, historically. And that's why they have like Carney, the language that they still speak in the business. Some people still speak. Uh, that's where a lot of the insider terms come from, like Mark and stuff like that. Kayfabe, all that shit. But um, wrestling's changed a lot. Yeah. And I don't always agree with like Jim Cornette's views on things. I think it can be quite extreme sometimes with how he puts his message across. But what I will say Definitely. is, right. But what he's saying is not wrong. Mm. He's, he's not wrong like it's the reason why wrestling worked for so long for so like we're talking like since the early 20th century maybe just before that you know it worked because it was like a formula and it, it got tweaked over the years and everything but it was like a formula and when mm. you deviate from that formula and you just do something different like fine look res- wrestling more competitive now more sporty yes that's, that's fine but you can still mm. and there's matches i've seen like Austin Theory is a good example of this because he sells. There's so many wrestlers these days don't sell. And mm. it just pisses me off. It's like, if, if I kick you in the face really hard, you should probably fall over and, and be like, ah, that's yeah. that, that hurt. But no, they just get right back up and just go. It's like they're just going through the motions to tick in boxes. Yeah. And this is just like, it makes it boring. Like, I just skip through most of it, to be honest. Mm. You know? And that's and that's why I don't keep up with wrestling these days. You know, I glance at it. I'll check out. You know, if there's a big pay per view, like I don't know, Brock Roman Reigns, I'll check that out. You know, but yeah. a lot of the time it's just like, eh, you know, and it shouldn't be that. It cut. It, it can be so much more than that. But ah, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> Anything you want to add? I, okay, <laughs> I, I do have a question for you. Go for what it. is your favorite like favorite match of, like of all time? Oh, oh, that's hard. Uh, fuck. I'll give you like a bunch because I can't really pick. Okay. Um, so I love all of like the TLC matches, the <laughs> um, the classics. So we're talking Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, yes. the Dudley Boys, just amazing stuff. Um, a bit obscure, but there's a match. So if you've ever seen Survivor Series 2002. So many good matches on that. Um, the main event, brilliant. At the first match, it, like it, it's a banger. It's um, oh, this was when the Dudley boys split. They got back together at the end of this, which was cool. But it was <laughs> Bubba Ray Dudley, Jeff Hardy, 
and uh, who's the other one? Spike Dudley versus Three Minute Warning, very short lived team with um, Rico. So it was um, Rosie and Jamal. So mm. I think Ro- Jamal went on to become Umaga and Rosie went on to become um, the Hurricane Psychic. I uh, can't remember what it was called, the name of the character. But yeah, mm. um, big injustice because he was such a great wrestler. Yeah. Um, and he's, I believe he was the cousin or uncle or, in relation to Roman Reigns. You yeah. Can, visually, you can see it as well. It's mad. Anyway, um, really great team. Um, and they did this match. I think it was a tables match. And obviously, Jeff did some crazy shit, as always. As always. Um, <laughs> but it, it was just a really good like opening to a match. It was kind of like, you know, Angle, Mysterio, O2, SummerSlam. It's like, sometimes mm-hmm. you just get these bangers. And that yeah. whole card was just full of really great matches. Um, I mean, to be honest, I thought there was, there was a lot of good matches in that era. Ruthless Aggression, Attitude Era, you know. Yeah. But like, of all time... Uh, um, big fan of Rock Austin's trilogy. I think it's really good. Mm. Um, Austin Bret Hart WrestleMania thirteen. I think it was. It's a good one. Um, mm. t- to me, it's. It, I always gravitate more towards psychology. I like a good story. So, like sometimes yeah. I feel I, like I really like like it's not even a really good match, but I love it anyway. Is Hogan, Vince McMahon, WrestleMania 19. Mm. Like, it's it's shit. It's two old men beating each other up with, like, it's mostly just Vince McMahon getting his head kicked in, which is great to see. (laughs) Um, Just, you know, he was the best heel of all time. Um, Oh, definitely. Agreed there. (laughs) Excuse me, but the video package they did for that, which WWE, you know, they got a lot of flaws, but they got a lot of pluses. When it comes to production no one can touch them that Mm -hmm. there will never be any company out there better than wwe when it comes to wrestling promo packages and back in that era like if you've seen the promo package to rock austin uh wrestlemania 17 it's the best thing you've ever seen ever with limp biscuits um was it my way or i think yeah one of the i can't remember the name of the song um perfect and the same with the Rock Hogan thing. They had a really good story. They wove in reality into it, and it worked. Mm. Same pay-per-view, actually, talking to great matches. Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, one of the best matches of all time. Um, I love amateur wrestling. I remember one time they did like a 50-minute iron match on a SmackDown in that era, I think, and it was insane. Yes. So good. Oh, my God. Um Gosh, I could go all, all day about this. <laughs> I would just, I don't know. How about you? Favorite matches? Oh, um, matches. Um, to be fair, um, um, I will say um, Jeff Hardy and Undertaker. I can't remember. Mm. Raw, I can't remember it? what match. I'm pretty sure it was a ladders match. It was an episode of Raw in like 02. I remember it well, yeah. Yeah. Um, that one I don't know I think it's just the resiliency mm. of Jeff Hardy you know what's really good about that match as well just talking about psychology it wasn't just because Jeff obviously he won everyone over for just being a fucking crazy madman daredevil yep. but that match told a good story as you say the resiliency it was he kept coming back and I think like yeah I didn't wasn't it like 
Undertaker had beaten him up and did he like flip Undertaker off or something or, or like was like he just kept getting back up and, and yeah he definitely kept getting back up and I'm pretty sure Taker got on his Harley was about to go and Jeff had the mic and he's like where the fuck do you think you're going <laughs> yeah, I'm I love not that. done yet yeah it's like that's ballsy I love that oh there'll never be another one like Jeff Hardy man never oh, definitely Brilliant. The charism- charismatic enigma that is Jeff Hardy. <laughs> I always just loved his dress sense. I because I've never seen anyone dressed like that. I mean, I don't. I guess it's kind of like somewhat reminiscent of like cyber goth stuff. But mm. I don't know. Like I've never. Like he he's he's very unique. Like he's always yeah. and he's always been that way as well. Like he's never mm-hmm. never been different. And it's just cool, you know. Um, and he his artwork and music are just. Mm. Yeah, just a, just an all round very talented um, mm-hmm. hu- human being. So yeah, yeah, we could we could talk about wrestling all day, but we won't. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> I want to I want to shift things on and uh, move into the I suppose this final chapter of this uh, podcast. So we want to talk about your care work. Oof. 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 <laughs> How did you get into care work? Um, so I think I have been looking for jobs at the time. I'd done, um, childcare and I'd only done it for three months because that experience was not a good experience. How come? Um, I don't want to go into detail on that one. No problem. Um, so yeah, that that wasn't a good experience. And thing is, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed looking after the kids. Sure, they 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 were all a lovely bunch of kids. Um, but it it just wasn't for me. So I thought, if I've already tried childcare, how about adult care? Okay. And literally ended up my first um, my first care job um, was dementia care. So one thing I'm intrigued by is how come you weren't completely put off by your care experience? Because I would imagine that while because it's different, it's completely different styles of care. Like there's different needs, yeah. different expectations, different approach, etc did you kind of think like oh i'll give this a try because maybe it'll be different or you know like there were aspects that i liked with the childcare. maybe you know they can be applied like what was the thought process behind that um i think it was somewhat to do with um like it enjoying looking after someone ah, okay. if if that makes sense mm-hmm. um but then during that time that time frame like a couple of years prior um my nan had cancer and it was removed and she was being looked after by the Macmillan nurses they were coming in and they were looking after and making sure that you know she had everything that she needed and whatnot and I saw what they were doing and was like okay like you know they've made my nan's life easier Mm. why can't 
I make somebody else's life easier. If I know, I know that's like a weird thought process, no, but no, I no. thought if if it's that whole of if I can give something to someone, I would. One thing I've understood about you as a human being is that you're very, and I think this kind of applies to anyone that works in like your profession is that you have to be very strong, like emotionally. And I know you'll be like, oh, well, you know, you don't see me crash when I come back from it and all this. And yeah, you're a human being. You have the emotions, you deal with them, you deal with them. But the point still stands that you'll go through these crazy shifts sometimes mm-hmm. go for several weeks without having a day off you'll do all this stuff and then but you're able to internalize how you feel and not let that affect how you do the job and then you deal with it later mm. how do you do that um because mm. it's like, amazing what how how do like i regulate my feelings yeah i mean like how do you how do you not let it affect your job how do you how do you do it like i've i i guess i guess what i'm trying to say without being like oh you're like you're amazing because i want i want you to know that you're amazing but it's it's inspiring because i know that i couldn't do that job i know that i would crack i i could i could give it a shot but i think i wouldn't be able to handle um I wouldn't be able to push aside my fear. I think I would, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it, but you're able to do it because you're that kind of person that's able to, to like handle that. And I just wonder like, how do you do that? Um, so because it's dementia care, it's more difficult than residential care because these are people with, um, well, dementia would be, I suppose, seen as a, a mental health issue because it does affect your cognitive impairments. Um, it is a cognitive impairment. And yes, sometimes shifts are hard. They are crazy. Um, and sometimes you do feel like you haven't done anything to the best of your ability. But there are some times where someone might look at you and smile and say, thank you, you've just made my day. Or you might have a laugh and a joke with these people. And sometimes you might not understand exactly where they're coming from with what they're saying because they can't um, vocalise exactly what they want to say properly. Like it might come up in like a, I don't know, like a, a jumble of words that don't make sense, but to them it's a sentence. But you, you can still gather what they're saying um, and then literally, again, sort of like laugh and joke with them about that. And sometimes it just makes you feel good to put a smile on someone's face to make them feel a little bit better. Because I've had one or two people, residents, come up to me. And bear with me a second, I'm going to have to try and shut my dog up. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> hey dog we're having a moment there. <laughs> hey dog I'm trying to explain what I do for other people and what you do for me is drive me nuts can we see the dog no oh. no 
Oh, you're going to do us like that? Yes. <gasps> oh, so mean. Maybe oh. she comes back in. <laughs> <All right>. Maybe. <laughs> um, no, there have been times where sometimes you're, you are having a hard shift. And I had one day someone come up to me and she, she was having sort of moments of clarity throughout the day but it, it wasn't like consistent and she she wanted to go home which is sometimes quite a regular thing because I don't understand why they're there and as I was walking past her I said her name and she looked at me and she had she sort of looked a bit shocked and I was like are you all right like What's, what's the matter? And she was like, and she started crying. And she was like, finally, someone recognises me. And I, I gave her a cuddle and it sort of like moved me to tears a bit because it was a bit like she she felt like she was in like this sea of people, but nobody recognises her. That she was alone in a place full of strangers and she she hugged me tight and she was sort of crying into my shoulder and she said I am so glad that I found you and that I recognize who you are and it was just so like you know I'm, I'm standing there and I'm like don't cry <laughs> Um, I mean, you do you do have moments like that where something does actually get to you, mm. um, but most of the time, it's just knowing that you can do a little something to help someone else's life be that little bit easier. To you know, to make them feel better there like quite recently there was um a gentleman i was sitting there i was doing all my paperwork and whatnot and all day he had followed me around throughout the whole day and i wasn't exactly sure why but is what it is and i was sitting there doing my paperwork and he grabbed hold of my wrist and started stroking my hand and he was like I feel like I need you like a baby. And I looked at him a bit confused because I was like, okay, like, I don't understand what, what you're getting at here. And he, he grabbed me like my hand a bit tighter and he was like, with you, I feel safe. I feel protected. And I'm sitting there like, and that is what I do my job for. What do you think are the qualities that a good carer should have? Like what have you time, learned? Time, patience, understanding. And the ability to, I don't know how to explain this one, but to... <laughs> Oh my god! I think I think oh, your dog your dog knows. 
Oh, I'm gonna come here, come here, come here, dog. <gasps> oh, look, we got we saw the dog. There you go. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful dog. Will you shush, please. See, I could, ne- I could, I could never be mad at the dog for ruining my podcast. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding, obviously. Um, obviously, I've forgotten where we were now. Um, yeah, time. Patience, understanding. Um, I do think selflessness as well, because you're not doing it for you; you're doing it for somebody else. I guess I'm just kind of always intrigued by like how you're able to put yourself to one side and be there so completely for those people. You know, like it's it. It kind of fascinates me, to be honest, because I understand that it requires a great deal of empathy, and mm-hmm. you know, like you got to go out of your way for these people. And I, I guess maybe a better, a good question to ask you would be like, what exactly does care work mean to you? Um, I suppose I feel like because I'm quite a very like passionate and caring person mm-hmm. i suppose although sometimes i definitely don't feel like that outside of work um i think it's just being able to again it's that whole like mm, being able to give what you'd i suppose at the same time how you want to be treated, if that mm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the fact that these people, yes, they've lived their lives, but now they need help. Okay. And some some need a lot more help than others, um, depending on the different types of dementia um, obviously different varying degrees and different stages um, and obviously it's not just dementia there are other um, like health conditions that sometimes come with it um, or just just different health conditions say like osteoporosis that, or that sort of stuff and um, again it, it's just being able to make someone comfortable and happy to live their life. Do you have like on-site therapists or psychologists? No. Do they sometimes come in? Um. Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. And is um, that are you on about like for service users or for staff? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for, for for the people staying there. Um, I think sometimes, yes, um, but most of the time it's like, um, dementia services and they come in and they do, um, assessments like memory assessments, um, and stuff like that. And then from there, all of the assessments will then get given to, um, to like the managers and the nurses in charge. And from there, they will have to update their care plans if anything needs changing in the way of how we deliver care to these people because care is 
individualized to everyone. It's, it's called person-centered care. Mm. So every person you go to, you tailor your approach differently. Oh. <laughs> See, I think the thing that just amazes me, like hearing snippets of what your job is like, is it just kind of, it's always amazed me like how much it must require from you physically, Some, so, emotionally, sometimes it is, Yeah, sometimes it is definitely physically, emotionally and mentally draining. Um, and again, there are times where you walk out and you, you do want to cry because it, it has been a bit too much. Um, but again, it's always, every day is different. Is it, it, is... It's never the same is that like what keeps you going because I, I wonder sometimes like when i've sometimes when we've spoken just in general about it or you've, you've told us like our little group of friends like the things you're going through and i wonder like why not try like a you know like a different career path like I, obviously i understand like how much this work means to you and i think that's a big part of why you keep doing it but like mm-hmm. is there other things keeping you going? like what what drives you what keeps you motivated to to, to do this um again i think it's a every day is different um i i do i absolutely love my job i wouldn't do it if i didn't love it um i also do feel like um i'm i'm maybe like a sucker for that sort of torture sometimes <laughs> what do you mean? For it. <laughs> um, you say this especially after like you you've really bad days and it's like i'm i'm like a sucker for the stress i thrive on stress and chaos well okay no but you've touched on something there no because sometimes people actually work better under stress don't they do you feel that way definitely yeah i love i love when shifts are easy and when i say easy i mean easier because again every shift is different you're caring for people people are unpredictable sometimes people are hard to deal with um and and again going along with these people are in like unpredictable everyone everyone's unpredictable you know from like i could see someone walking down the street and they could turn around and stab someone that's unpredictable i don't know it's a good point yeah but these people can't help their unpredictability How do you sort of deal with, because I know you, you're quite senior, you know, you've been doing this a while, people look to you for advice, support, etc. Mm. How do you navigate around, because there are stories that we hear from time to time of people that, you know, aren't doing the job well, you know, maybe they're not as empathetic as they should be, or, you know, sometimes even horrible things like stealing and stuff like that. How do you have you ever dealt with having to sort of discipline someone in that regard or, or deal with someone like that? Uh, had um, like that? And how did you deal with it? Always just always report it to your nurse in charge. Okay. Um, it, it's literally see it, say it, report it. That's um, always, always document whatever sort of things you've seen. You, you never confront the person that's doing it. Um, because What's... obviously it can lead to other things. Like what? In in the way of because you don't know how that person's going to react. 
oh, against you... the unpredictability of people. So if, if I was to see, I don't know, say for instance, I walk into a room and somebody is washing and dressing the service user and the person either gets a bit too rough, for instance, okay. yeah. um, hits, hits the person, right. you literally leave the room and you go and tell your nurse. You, you don't do anything else because that, that is literally in our policies and procedures that we don't confront the person. You have to have like a, another senior member of staff deal with that. Is that to sort of make sure that the situation doesn't escalate further? Yeah, basically. Okay. Because they wouldn't necessarily react to you because you're not senior. Is that kind of the men- the mentality there or is it more um, to I don't you? think it's that. I think it is obviously to protect other members of staff. Right. Because, again, you don't know what this person's going to do. And plus, mm. if they're doing it to a resident and you're standing there with this resident, you don't know how it's going to make them feel. Mm. You don't know how it's going to affect that person. Okay. Interesting. Um... Um, I mean, there have been obviously situations in which um, I have been working with people and people have been a bit too rough and you do say, what are you doing? Like you don't, you don't need to be like that. The, these are people. Skin is fragile. Like mm. you don't, you don't need to be that heavy-handed. Back in, um, I think it was 2013, 2012, something like that. Ricky Gervais did a series called Derek, which was about care work, working in a care home, etc. Now. I feel like largely a lot of that was kind of like the backdrop to the story that was sort of playing out and stuff. But, you know, they did cover a lot of ground with that. Given that you work in that industry, in that field, firstly, did you see that program? And secondly, what did you make of it? Did you think it was kind of like an accurate portrayal? Did you think it did a disservice? Like, what was your thoughts on this? I haven't watched it, so I can't answer that. Ah, okay. All right. Well, interesting. Um, We'll move but on. seeing, <laughs> seeing, say for instance, sort of, I suppose going along that line, um, seeing like news articles and news reports of like residents being hit, having stuff stolen, mm. stuff like that, it it makes me physically sick to my stomach. Yeah, because it's like, why why are you doing this? The, these people are vulnerable. They need your help, and then you're taking advantage of them. But then it also tars us all with the same brush whether it's one person whether it's two people we all get tarred with the same brush and then people look at us like like we're scum and Mm. sometimes that that is i suppose not difficult to deal with because i've never personally had an interaction with someone that has come across and looked at me like i am a bit of dirt Mm. um but it's just that whole People um, are more apprehensive about, you know, putting family members into care homes. Sure. Because of things like this. And it's just hard because everyone that I have met 
in the care industry, the people that I've worked with, I've worked um, two different companies, both four years each. Um, but like everyone I have met all has the same mentality of we are here to care for these people. We are here to look after these people. We are here for them. You put yourself aside, we are here for them. Mm. And it's it's a good mentality because it's like, it doesn't, I don't know, it just sort of, I suppose, makes the team like gel together because it's not just we're looking after people, we are also looking after each other in the way of like staff because you, you have to be safe because if you're unsafe, how can you look after someone if you're unsafe? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to me that these horror stories we hear about, like that's enabled, that's allowed to happen, like people get into the industry. And I suppose you, you could argue that maybe tougher checks need to be in place, background checks, whatever the case may be. Sometimes it's just like, these things happen obviously it's unacceptable but it's like definitely unacceptable but um, i feel like uh, sometimes more more care workers do need to speak up because mm. i do believe things probably are being seen and not reported because it's if i report they're gonna know it's me and then oh you mean like a fear of like snitching or something yeah, yeah. basically but that's why you have your whistleblowing policies Hmm. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot see this is one of the biggest things i wanted to i wanted to explore this in depth with you because i felt like there was a lot we could talk about and a lot of different areas we could cover and it's it's just fascinating to finally be able to talk to you about it in in depth you know we've spoken a little bit in person about it but like it's it's nice to kind of actually get your thoughts and feelings about the work that you do and what it means to you you know it's it's, it's just nice to hear i just wanted to make a moment of that <laughs> i mean i mean okay yeah so sometimes it just sounds like i'm rambling and i'm making no. no sense it definitely doesn't make sense to me in my head um and it's just our words are coming out um but yeah no i again i absolutely love my job and i w- i wouldn't do it if i i didn't love it yeah. That that's literally the the bottom line. When you were working through the COVID nineteen pandemic, like how did your work change? Um, what was your experience? Uh, not to be fair, there were obviously quite a lot of changes, like more policies and procedures in place. Um, like for in the event of an outbreak in the home um how to protect ourselves as well um inside and outside of the home um and obviously the wearing more ppe during an outbreak um so for instance i think the major changes were that residents couldn't see their families right so families couldn't come in due to the fact that obviously where it was spreading like wildfire we didn't want the residents getting it and then we didn't want them passing it on to staff or 
vice versa, that sort of thing. Um, but it was also like, so mentally, I think for our service users, that was hard not seeing their families because we, we were getting a lot of questions day in, day out. Um, when can they go home? That, that's, that's a usual sort of every day to day question. Um, but why haven't my family been in to see me? And then having to explain that there is a pandemic going on in the world, um, a respiratory disease that you really don't want. Um, but then it'll be like, okay, so why can't my family come in and see me? So that was difficult. Um, and then when we started wearing masks as mm. well, um, I don't think that helped because obviously they, they can't see our lower faces. Um, and then it also muffles what what you're saying obviously because you've got a piece of cloth over your mouth and some some of these people have hearing impairments some people wear hearing aids some people have hearing aids but don't want to wear them because i don't like them because i don't like the feel of them and then it's just it sort of broke down like communication barriers zoom the or like added barriers like with communication which made that quite difficult um I presume the, I, the residents didn't have to wear masks no no yeah. staff do residents don't um but it got to a point where we only i'm pretty sure we only had two outbreak cases and we got that down i, I think it was only one or two people mm. that actually had it um but again, to be on the safe side due to the fact it was like spreading really quick. Um, we had to isolate people to their rooms. Mm. So it didn't spread. Um, which again, the, these people are like cognitively impaired and then you're going to isolate them to their rooms you've got more communication barriers because of the fact that we're now wearing masks and if you were going into a person that had COVID um, you had to double up on your PPE mm. um, obviously the face shields the gauntlets to make sure your arms are covered really long aprons gauntlets? Like, yeah, like, like gloves like right up here to make oh. sure Oh wow! To make sure that we didn't get it on our uniforms. Interesting. Um, okay, I know. I've it, never, I've never heard it. I've seen everything else you talked about, but I've never heard of these arm gauntlets. Yeah, they, they're gauntlets. Or we had um, at one point we did actually have a. It was like an apron. But <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say like a hazmat suit. <laughs> it's fucking so ba basic, but basically, that's what we were going in like. Although we didn't actually have proper has hazmat suits, it was, more it was like we had makeshift hazmat suits. Right. And you think we're going into these people, and they're seeing us come in like that, and they're like, "What the fuck's going on?" Yeah. 
Must be because like, it must have been so scary for him. I mean, we we did try our best to explain to him what was going on, to mm. try and get him to like maybe ease up about the situation. Because I mean, if you've got someone that's coming in and full like near enough like hazmat suit, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're just we're just coming in to see if you want a cup of tea," like yeah. what? Like, <laughs> why are you dressed like that? You're asking me if I want a cup of tea. You, you're not, like, I'm not infectious. Souls, but you are, like. Mm. How long did you have to wear all that shit? Um, so all of, like, the extra garb and stuff was only until outbreak ended. Once, like, the outbreak had ended, we went back to just wearing our masks and, obviously, normal PPE. So that, so that that was mainly that was for the people that had COVID, um, but obviously it was again the infection control and everything else, like changing masks constantly. Every I mean that's you you do it anyway, but it just I think due to the fact it was a pandemic and everyone was trying to be like more cautious, mm. it was literally <laughs> like I don't know. I suppose a way like in a ritual yeah. sort of like in a way like of making sure that you're taking everything off before you come out of a room but you've literally got to make sure that you've got everything just outside the room i remember when i did um volunteer work it was it was the same thing um like when i'd work inside the the charity place um i did like i, I served like people in their little mini store that they had and I was like frequently changing my gloves every like couple of minutes and changing my mask frequently. And, like, as you say, it was very ritualistic. It just became like what you do, but it was, mm. I don't know, very frustrating and kind of like almost suffocating in a way. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're working in a hot building. Right. And yeah. you've been told you can't open the windows. Jesus. Really? Like, That's interesting. Okay. What was the mentality there? So we didn't come in. <laughs> I'm mean? not even joking. <laughs> not even, we weren't even we weren't even allowed our aircon on either. What? That's in that's lunacy. Literally, just in case it it was in like the filters, just in case it got out coming out from like inside yeah, like it's like lurking the in the hedges outside like oh, i'm gonna come in literally like what do you think this is legionnaires like yeah like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> like whatever because I, I laugh like but everywhere that i worked or did volunteer work out or whatever they had the windows wide open with the idea that hey we should ventilate this because it will help stop the spread well the thing theory. is is what we, we were getting so many different like mixed information especially when it mm. first started in the height of it and everyone's panicking and we were getting literally so many different like snippets of information as to what was going on and it was like do we open the windows do we not are we allowed to have like ventilation in but also at the same time um like we don't have our aircon on but it's hot in here it's hot outside but staff can't also take their masks off to have a drink. Like what? Really? Yeah, like we have to leave the unit. Wow. 
Wow, it must have been. A so if nightmare. if we if we needed to like chug a glass of water, we'd have to take it out into the garden. Okay. Because we've taken our masks off. Wow. <laughs> like I knew I knew it was difficult for you because I remember speaking to you about it, but like at the same time I didn't realize it was like this much hassle just just to fucking have a glass. Oh of no, water, no, 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 no. But again, I think it's I I must I must like admit mm. my company done done really well okay like i i can't i i can't fault them for their for the handling mm. of of like the pandemic at all so i i definitely give props to my managers for that definitely and like our regional top bosses and whatever but but yeah no definitely they they handled it with care and they they were also um like our, our top bosses were sending out letters to us um basically saying like look we understand we know it's really really hard um but you you guys are doing great um when there's more information that comes in we will let you know we were always kept in the loop um okay. as to what was going on um like changes in policies and procedures we were always always like you know told as soon as they come as soon as they got sent through basically um but yeah no and it was definitely nice as well because some sometimes you don't feel like sometimes you do feel like you're taken for granted yeah sometimes it obviously it's not you know what I mean? Like it's not all the time. Some sometimes, yeah, there are times where you you do feel like you do feel like I think it's especially on days where it is a stressful and hard shift. You do feel like that. That's what you feel like. Um, obviously, it might be different for different people, but yeah, it's it's. There are some times where it, you just do feel like a number. Um. But again, that's only on them them shifts where it does get a little bit too much. Um, and I've totally forgot where I was going with this, to be honest, because I've just literally sidetracked and just gone. Um, no, but it it was like, you know, having messages from like your managers and like the top bosses saying, look, guys, like we know it's been hard, but you are doing fucking well. It was just one of them like moments where it was like, okay, like. Well, that's great yes. to hear. That's good to hear that you you did get some some positive reinforcement, some some kudos mm. like you deserve it. Like it's, I think care work in general. I mean, I I can sort of relate from like because I've worked in customers. I again, I'm working in customer services now. Um, obviously, I think your industry requires a hell of a lot more. Um, than customer service does but one thing that they do both share is that they are both hideously underpaid and yet expect so much from you that's the thing like it's it's so tough and so it's, it's great and encouraging to hear that you do get like respect and that and you know get appreciated for the work you put in because i think yeah, it's definitely very much an unsung heroes kind of thing i think um what are the biggest lessons you've learned through care work um to roll with the punches take each day as it comes because every day is different well put yeah brilliant 
What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received? Um, probably from a resident. Um, I, I was going through quite like, a tough time. And I went in to go and, you know, see, see to this lady, wash and dress her. And I, I said to her, life's hard at the moment. And she said to me, literally, the, the only words that left her mouth, life wasn't made to be easy. Hmm. And I know it doesn't sound like much, but yeah. it's sort of, life wasn't made to be easy, but you make it what you make it. Like, we don't have any, we're, we're never given a book on how... <laughs> My dog. <laughs> Honestly. And that's the dog's dog. contribution. Yeah, that's my dog's <laughs> contribution. That's my dog's life lesson. Bark, bark, bark. Bark, bark. Live, laugh. Um, Live, life. Live, laugh, bark. There you go. Bark, laugh, love. Um, Barking hell. Okay. <laughs> um. Um. Bugger off. What? For those who are listening to this, they're probably wondering like, what's going on right now. What is this? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> talking about the life lessons I've learned from work. Or like what's the greatest piece of advice I've ever been given? <laughs> that they're gonna die, don't get attached. Shut up! Get out! Jesus! Get out! Wow, that's Shane's contribution. Damn. <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. Amazing. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's like two sides of a coin. I can really... Slicing through the pad for a nightmare. <laughs> 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 oh, my God, honestly. Um, I can relate to what you were saying before. I think... Um, <laughs> God's sake! You're just trying to make my life hard. <laughs> Bugger off and play Minecraft. Oh, God, just play Minecraft. Shut up. How much do you think your relationship helps with um with this? Mm-hmm. How much do you think your relationship helps with? you know everything in 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 your life as far as like getting through care work and everything else um what like my relationship with Shane yeah like have, <laughs> having well that plus a support network whatever you know um to be fair I don't I don't try not to talk to him okay about my work um obviously there there are times that I do and yeah there are times that I do complain to him and whatnot um but again, I, I try not to because I don't, I, I've always, I, I don't, don't ever want to be a burden to anyone else. Um, but mm. like, I, I feel like my, my problems are my problems. Somebody else shouldn't take that. Um, but my, I feel like my relationship with Shane does help because he's a complete nut in Rimbazil, so it makes me forget things. 
and you know he he is very funny i mean some of the stuff he comes out with is quite shocking and you're like why aren't you on an fbi watch list <laughs> but <laughs> no but it's it's good isn't it someone that makes you laugh brings joy in your life that can mm. that can help you go you need that i've needed yeah. that recently i've been going through a very difficult time and sometimes something as simple as just like memes has really helped yeah <laughs> just yeah. get me through memes. but like I love what, memes going back to like the lifeless uh, sorry the, the advice that you shared like I, I i feel i really relate to that especially now with everything that's going on um because when the bigger stuff is happening and it's it's difficult and you're struggling i feel like it's a little things that help you sort of get through yeah and keep going and and that's and that's all you ever really can do like you just have to keep going and and life is hard and it's I think, but I think in a way it's, it's kind of good because it makes you appreciate the good times, appreciate, you know, getting through the hard times and just in general being grateful for the good things in life. But also kind of, I think it makes you stronger in general. Like, and let's bring it back to you. You know, you're a very strong person. I know you'll disagree with me and be like, no, I'm not, but like you are. Yeah, definitely not. But, but you've, yeah. ma- you've managed to, you know, build up a, a sort of a resiliency and a strength within yourself that enables you to do this job and do it very well. And that's that's not easy. Not everyone is able to achieve that. And, you know, it's it's something that I think we're all working at. And, you know, we have moments in life where we struggle and all we can really do is our best. That's all mm-hmm. we can ever do. And just hope it all works out. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's determined to just sabotage my show. He is. Thank you so much. What What are you even listening to? Got through an... <laughs> Can I just ask a few questions and then we end it? Like, is yeah, that, is that sure. Right? Is it, yeah, no, no, not, not to you. I'm, uh, I'm asking Shane. Is it right if I finish oh, my show? Um, no, he's not. No, bugger off. Oh, that's convenient. <laughs> he'll, he'll come back in a minute and he'll say something else that's quite ludicrous. <laughs> What's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? Oh, is that for me or Shane? You, you. Um, again, it's, oh, I don't know. Just roll with the punches. Take every day as it comes. Yeah, fine. You can have a have a breakdown if you need to um but then you literally just pick yourself up and off you fucking go again like just don't stop no matter how much you want to give up no matter how much you want to stop doing something even if you have to take time out and away um obviously always think about yourself always think about you and your mental health your your physical health um because nobody else will <laughs> ain't that the truth yeah um obviously <laughs> always think about you always try to put you first um obviously in situations where you can um but yeah always try to put you first make sure that you're okay before helping somebody else mm. but Again, it's that whole, if you do need to take time away and if you are going through a tough time, will, will you just piss off? 
<laughs> Can Amazing. you just go away? Get yourself someone like Shane in your life that can <laughs> that can make you laugh because that's something that's going to get you through as well. Just fuck off. <laughs> get yourself oh a Shane. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I will actually right. suffocate him in his sleep. Um we got we got we got we got the point there, I think. We got yeah. the sentiment. And that's good. Thank yeah. you. Literally. <laughs> Just t- take some time if you need time out to like have a breakdown, fucking do it. Because sometimes you're definitely going to need that. But then don't forget to pick yourself back up mm. and go, right, okay, back on it. Let's go. Oh, that punch sounded like a sound effect. That was amazing. It was like, That's a slap. It's a backhand, my dude. I know, I know, but it sounded Vicious like... Vicious backhand. It, it was like something out of a cartoon. It was like... <laughs> Brilliant. I might sample it. <laughs> I mean, you can do if you want to. <laughs> don't bother me. All right, as we draw things to a close for today, do you have any upcoming projects or some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, upcoming projects, no. May, maybe I might, I don't know, put out a couple more art pieces. Um, yes, definitely. Do it. Or, or write some more, I don't know. Um, but I will definitely, obviously, hit you up if I do. Um, and then, yeah, you can you can have a, have a look-sees, have a gander's butcher's look. I will. Um and any final thoughts? It's been fun. It's actually been more relaxing and enjoyable than I thought it would. So I don't know why I was so nervous at the start though. I told you. <laughs> told you. No, it's, yeah, it's... But like you know, again, I am like a stress-driven person. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I feel like I've learned a lot more about you actually through this, both as, as a friend, as a person. It's it's good. Um, and yeah, no, a massive thank you for, for being on the show. And um, yeah, keep keep being you, man. The world needs more people like you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Pleasure. And for all the listeners of the Christian Reef podcast, I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.